0: This is the Convergent Science Network podcast. Leading researchers in the domain of neuroscience, brain theory and technology are interviewed by Paul Verschur and Tony Prescott. This is Paul Verschior with the Convergent Science Network podcast. And this episode that we also recorded as part of our CSN Barcelona Cognition Brain Technology Summer School, I'm talking with Gunther Knopplig. And Günther, um, your the, the topic of your presentation is joint action. This is actually the main topic of your of your research, right? Yes. And you decomposed um, joint action uh, in a number of let's say constituent components that you sort of try to then again investigate in stuff. Right. So why don't you can you explain to me wh- how you see joint action and how do you see this decomposed in its subcomponents?
1: Right. Okay. So. Um I mean, I'm I'm most interested in joint action where people actually persp- perform some sort of skilled action together, like playing football or you know trapeze artists. And um, uh, one uh, big question in this field is um, how do they achieve temporal coordination? You know, how do they not miss each other? How do they uh, pass the uh, the ball in time uh, to score a goal and so on? So there are different mechanisms to actually achieve this psychologically speaking, um, and um, um, it starts. Uh, and I, I was actually describing five different ones, uh, ranging from entrainment to providing signals for each other that serve the coordination. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, so you had entrainment, speeding,
0: simulation, yes. monitoring, and then signaling. Right? Exactly, and um, so so it would be so. so but now let's backtrack a bit in the joint action issue itself. Mm-hmm. right? So what makes joint action special as compared to other forms of action?
1: Right. So um, in individual action, um, the only thing you need to do is, is get your own action right somehow. Whereas in joint action, what you need to do is uh, you need to coordinate your action. With somebody else in space and time. And uh, it's actually even in the most simple action, like uh, handing a glass to somebody else, it's actually from the point of view of the motor system, that's a very tricky task. Because for instance, you need to take the other's actions into account in order to pass the glass on. And the question is, how can this be achieved? And there are many, many sort of real time constraints where the motor system has to solve very difficult problems in a very short sort of time window. Mm-hmm. But then I could argue, OK, but, you know, the motor system
0: is is already tuned to deal with a dynamic world. Mm-hmm. It might not be an intentional world, but a dynamic world. Right. So what then would make joint action different from, let's say, catching a ball?
1: Right. I mean, it's not necessarily qualitatively different all the time. But it's certainly true that biological movement patterns are, most of the time, different from simple uh, physical movements. I mean, they they can also be described, of course, as physical movement. But I think the intentionality behind it makes it more complex and um, also, in a sense, uh, more there's more variety of movements, so to say. And it, it follows different laws and, you know, simply sort of, of uh, gravity. Um, because uh, the kinematics of human movement, for instance, they reflect actually uh, the working of a very complex apparatus mm-hmm. um, that uh, functions that produces, you know, kinematic patterns that are uh, quite different by ca- uh, than the uh, pattern that a uh, uh, simple that a ball has, you know, in a simple trajectory. Mm-hmm. Let's say. Okay, so can you give an example of the difference? Yeah, I mean, uh, think about uh, 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 two players in football where actually you know one is uh has to anticipate where the other is going uh in order to to place the the, the ball in the right spot um this could involve like uh, quite an intricate prediction you know that uh, requires knowing the player which way will he turn uh there would be more sort of cognitive level but it could also imply something like um um, how fast can he move, uh, and things like that. And all of all of these things implicitly or explicitly could go into the kicking of the ball. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. So now uh, let, let's turn to entrainment. Okay. Right? So how should I think about entrainment in this context of joint action? Right, so entrainment is sort of perhaps the most simple uh, way of getting people synchronized. And that's actually a process that is not necessarily, you know, only uh, uh, restricted to humans because it actually also works for clocks. So if you're entrainment is a principle that is actually comes out of physic- physics. And uh, um, that just states that, you know, uh, uh, if you have an oscillation, and if you have as oscillating devices like a metronome, and they have a physical coupling, they actually tend to go into phase with one another. Um, and uh, s- uh, dynamical systems uh, sort of uh, psychologists have actually made the point that the same sort of principles could hold for informational couplings, perceptual mm-hmm. couplings between people, so that in a sense uh, there's a there's a general pull towards synchrony in built into the systems, mm-hmm. so that people have a tendency. Um, if they perform sort of rhythmic movements to so, to be in synchrony with one another, so for instance, you can observe that uh, when people, many people, uh, cross a bridge or so, that or walk close to each other, they will tend to walk in the same speed mm-hmm. and a that speed. So that, and this is a very automatic process mm-hmm. that people aren't aware of; they're just pulled towards this synchrony. Right. So, do we know anything about the genesis of
0: this? What's the generator of that synchronization? the generator mm-hmm. like you mean like an internal clock or I don't know yes right you, well look earlier right. you said yourself right
1: oscillators would do this right, right. so where's this oscillator I think the um, um, in a sense uh, where this comes from is not uh, I mean there's not really an explicit theory about you know oscillations in the brain that drive this sort of process mm-hmm. it's more Um, a particular view in psychology that wants to see sort of social interactions between uh, people partly driven Mm -hmm. uh, by these uh, sort of coupled oscillations. So that in a sense the whole human who is uh, involved in this thing becomes the oscillator Mm -hmm. and the coupling is actually between people. So it's not a very cognitivist position, it's more it's more a sort of uh, applying physical principles uh, mm-hmm. to the psychological domain. Right.
0: So, uh, but at what point in human behavior does, does this kind of coupling break down? Because, like, now we are talking oh. to each other, right. and at some, at, at some level of description, I could say, well, in some state space, right. I could say we are coupled because I pose questions and you generate an answer right. and I don't try not to interrupt you and so on. Well, let's say at the level of our physical actions there might be not a single signature of of such coupling so so how far can this really go where does
1: it break down this idea of coupling i think i think um that this is sort of a very powerful way to look at uh, interpersonal uh, processing um but um it is only one possibility and mm-hmm. i think that there are many types of social interactions and also joint actions that cannot be uh, explained by simple entrainment but i would still hold that even so you know most of the time it's 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 really used to to uh, explain uh, unintentional cases of mm-hmm. synchrony so that people synchronize even that even though they don't want to right. like assimilating uh, velocities in mm-hmm. rocking chairs, things like that, right. or you know nodding their head like we do now mm-hmm. uh, in the same rhythm right <laughs> in the same sort of uh, um, temporal uh, f- uh frequency mm-hmm. um but it can of course also be used like, let's say in dance um. As something that becomes part of an intentional joint action, mm-hmm. but in these cases, of course, the, the pure synchronization is not enough. Um, it's, but it can actually help you to achieve what you what you uh, want to achieve. Mm-hmm. But it's only sort of part of the of the of the of the processing. And in other cases, I would say entrainment actually works against the coordination that is required, mm-hmm. right? Because you yeah. don't always need to be in the same rhythm or in the same.
0: Pattern, exactly. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that in some sense, if if it would be entrainment in the way you now just define it, it would be actually invalidating the notion of joint action because action would imply that there is an intentional
1: component to it while the entrainment would be unintentional. Right that's perhaps a little bit of a problem with our our definition of joint action which, which we want to be very broad mm-hmm. so that uh, ac- when I say action it doesn't necessarily imply a uh, an intention let's say mm-hmm. so it can so it include I, I,
0: just let's say behavioral patterns of yes, any kind yes okay. so I
1: wouldn't I wouldn't want to make a distinction between intentional and non-intentional action right away because there are so many cases where it's very difficult to, to really draw the boundary. Between mm-hmm. intentional, unintentional action, that um, I think for our purpose, which is sort of trying to find out uh, the nuts and bolts of joint action, we we rather work with a very broad definition of joint mm-hmm. action, which basically says that you know we want to talk of a joint action for anything that is uh, a co- that involves coordination between people in space and time. Okay. So it's super broad. Mm-hmm. Um, it ignores perhaps also a little bit uh, philosophical sort of basic distinctions, mm-hmm. but it's been so far s- uh, very useful actually in in trying to to sort of relate processes that people would normally think of as as very mm-hmm. different. Right, but it might also then lead
0: to misclassifications. Right, we imagine. We get thrown out of a plane Mm -hmm. and we're falling down, free fall, flailing our arms and legs. Mm -hmm. Then a psychologist using your definition could say, ah, they are entrained. But basically we're just both falling, uh, racing towards uh, Earth and uh, just in panic are flailing around.
1: Right. I think... But, it, I mean, this example, so my analysis would be that the joint action stops in the moment when, you, when, when you've pushed me, for instance. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what I'm trying to do is to save my life. So uh, And from then on, I would uh, call it separate action. But in a sense, uh, I would perhaps even accept like, you know, an action like pushing somebody out as a plane, out of the plane, as something that could be conceived of as a joint action, perhaps not with the same intended outcome. Mm-hmm. but with different intended outcomes. I know it gets tricky mm-hmm. in right. a way, but I don't want to have, you know, sort of um, also competition uh, versus uh, right. cooperativeness. Mm-hmm. I also no, want to stay good, away right? that yeah. uh, from good. that distinction because for these sort of rather low level nuts and bolts coordination processes, it might not matter so much whether you are in a competitive game. Mm-hmm or whether you're, 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 you're trying to play cooperatively. Right. So for instance, <laughs> in table tennis, you can do both. Mm-hmm. And the coordination processes might not so be so different.
0: Exactly. Now, this is very good, right? Because by using a broad definition, it allows you to look at, let's say, also the interaction of multiple factors, and otherwise you will be really pushed, about, let's say drawing boundaries maybe between exactly. them, which would yes. not help your in understanding joint actions. So exactly. This is to yeah. understand. But then, so we have entrainment, so now a lot of we we were nodding and sort of we're smiling at regular intervals, so we're we're really entrained. Um but now we're speeding. Right. Right. So I'm I'm speaking faster or slower. Um pers- apparently contributing to our joint action. Right. So
1: how should I think about that? Yeah. I mean entrainment um is is a process you know where we don't need to have any internal representations about one another it just happens between us uh, mm-hmm. uh that we are pulled into something uh speeding is a process where people actually try to sort of modify their own task uh in order to uh make coordination possible and that is that is something that could come in handy when you don't know uh your partner's tasks very well task very well mm-hmm. um so and uh I, th- I think we have discovered this by accident, um, because we were actually looking for a different coordination process. And we found in several different experiments that in uh, a situation where the task was somehow impo- uh, ill posed, people tended to just speed up. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a very, this could have been an instance of a very old sort of psychological phenomenon that's called social facilitation, you just get faster. Uh, if you're doing stuff together with other people, even if you do it uh, not together, but also if you're just in the same room, let's say. Uh, but then we notice that uh, basically speeding up also implies something statistic, you know, which is just a statistic effect because it reduces variability. If you mm-hmm. get faster, you go to your limits, you know, and you, you can't become faster. And that automatically means that your actions timing becomes less variable. Mm-hmm. So what you require for coordination is actually, in, for instance, in order to be synchronous or uh, to, to engage in a certain rhythm, um, basically uh, less variability helps you to be more synchronous, mm-hmm. something like that. No, but uh, So in some way you're saying yeah. by, by finding
0: maybe the right speed, because it's not that you operate at the maximum speed, you just speed up as compared when you act on your own.
1: Um Yes, but actually uh in our task, most of the time, that means going to your limits actually, okay, like what's the task um uh in our in our case, it was a simple reaction time task mm-hmm. uh but it could also be you know any motor task okay I'm but, pretty then, sure that, yeah, but 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 work, the yeah.
0: point you make is okay, by speeding up, you become more predictable, and this would facilitate the joint action i mean, it would help the other to deal with you,
1: yeah it's it's not even that i mean you it, you're not trying to make yourself predictable for the other you're just speeding up mm-hmm. and uh, you know that in itself basically um, uh, reduces your variability and uh, so mm-hmm. basically it it increases the chances that you will be more synchronous with the other person so for instance if you if you uh if you go faster and faster and faster um basically you know if you ha- if you have to clap a, a, a very slow rhythm together for instance and you know you need to stay one second apart or something like that it's pretty likely that you know uh, if you try to do that now with clapping we would produce large asynchronies mm-hmm. and our clapping would not wouldn't fall together if we clapped very fast we'd have a pretty good chance actually that uh, actually these variabilities would be much lower mm-hmm. And in the same sense, basically, speeding up uh, can uh, can help you uh, to to be in time uh, with one another. So the speeding up effect is a more
0: closely le- related still to the entrainment we talked about before, or not? Because you're saying by by speeding up, you increase the probability to synchronize. So that is would be in a form right. of entrainment or
1: or not. Um, I mean, synchroni- okay, so I think we have to make a, dis- a distinction between synchronicity and entrainment. Okay. So I think entrainment is one process mm-hmm. process that can produce synchronicity. That's right. But there are other processes that can uh, produce synchronicity too. Okay. And I think what I'm saying is that speeding can also mm-hmm. produce synchronicity.
0: All right, understand. So for you, synchronicity is in some sense then uh, synonymous to joint action in a broad sense, like joint action by definition
1: must show some synchronicity. Man, right. m- many joint actions need to show that. I mean, some other joint actions would actually require turn taking. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yes. Okay. okay. Very good. Yeah, you're right. So, but for these for this subclass of joint actions, mm-hmm. because you know, th- th- I mean, that's sort of that was also one main message of uh, of the talks so to say that, um, in a sense, you know. In order to solve different coordination problems that uh, you have during, in order uh, to perform joint actions, you know, you can have different processes uh, for solving these coordination <laughs> problems. And it's not a single one, so to say. Right, okay. And speeding is one that can actually help you to be in synchrony with another person mm-hmm. if you don't know a lot of other stuff about that person. Right. And it is a strategy because we, we were only observing it in the experiments when we asked people to be synchronous with one another. And not when they sort of perform the task independently, mm-hmm. so um in a sense uh it, it can be an, uh, speeding can be an intentional strategy to actually that can actually lead uh, to to achieving synchronicity. Mm-hmm. But now tell me if if in the speeding in this component of speeding
0: that it, it seems to imply that the behavior itself is again oscillatory in some way. It has some, some frequency component and I'm, I'm sort of speeding or slowing that frequency uh, element. Right. This now helps me to catch up with this other oscillator, which is another human doing something. And then when I, once I caught up, I can now set my frequency equal to the other.
1: Right. Okay, so that, that was, it's like, so maybe that's, speeding is not the best way to name this. Okay. Because uh, we don't mean sort of speeding up in a task we mean sort of speeding up compared to individual performance. Mm-hmm. So that uh, basically uh, what we had was actually individual reactions to a, sh- to a stimulus. So it's not a rhythmic action like, you mm-hmm. know, in a rocking chair, right. but it's sort of discrete responses mm-hmm. to stimuli. Sure. So and if you, if you need sort of this, for these discrete mm-hmm. uh, responses to stimuli, speeding up would be right. a, a strategy to be synchronous. But then if I understand it well, then it's like,
0: if you compare the joint case versus individual case, you see that in processing discrete stimuli like my reaction time to the stimulus, they am faster, right? So this is this is the, this is the data. Right. Um, but then in your interpretation of something like, oh, but, but by speeding up, I make it more likely to synchronize with the other. That's hmm. something that is supposedly going to happen after you saw the stimulus, because we only know now we're speeding up to see the stimulus.
1: No, I think it's it's a general strategy, really. I mm-hmm. mean, it's sort of a different mindset of approaching the task. Because in what we saw in our experiments is that people actually didn't speed up during the experiment. So mm-hmm. there's a constant difference uh, between the individual and joint condition right from the start. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that um, so, so that uh, it just means when when you when you are asked to do it synchronously with me, you're going faster. Mm-hmm. And you do that right away to say. Sort of and, and that
0: modulation is is an order of magnitude, I guess not, but... What would it what is
1: pretty pretty much, so it's a task where people uh, would normally, re, in the individual condition, mm-hmm. uh, would normally require uh, about 400 milliseconds to respond. The joint conditions, they are 50 milliseconds faster. So it's, mm. you know, it is quite a, mm-hmm. it's quite substantial. It's yeah. not sort of a minimum, I mean, it's only 50 milliseconds, but uh, in experimental psychology, in that sort of time window, it means a lot. Exactly, sure. No, so, this is I mean, effect. it's a huge... Mm-hmm. It's a huge difference. So um, but I mean, I think our most convincing data is in analyzing the correlations Mm -hmm. between reaction times, variability, and asynchrony, Mm -hmm. okay, because what people need to achieve is asynchrony. And that what you can show is that if you ask people to synchronize intentionally, basically, um, people, uh, you have a a big relationship between reaction times and variability, and again between variability and asynchrony, mm-hmm. and no relationship between reaction time direct relationship between reaction times and asynchrony mm-hmm. whereas in an unintentional condition. Um, the main relationship is actually a direct relation between the reaction times and the asynchrony. Okay. So and variability doesn't play a role, mm-hmm. which really means that, you know, that the, that the relationship, that people are really sort of uh, speeding up in order to reduce variability, mm-hmm. which in turn actually reduces the asynchrony. So, but that at least is our interpretation, right? Exactly.
0: So, because now you see, there's a cause. You see a causality here,
1: right? Right. And it's only correlations. I have to admit that. Okay.
0: So I want to ask whether you had any way to really now dissect this this assumed causal structure. Have you made progress on that?
1: Well, I think you know. I think our argument would be that you have to do exactly, basically, exactly the same. Pri- at least primary task in an unintentional condition, and in the coordination uh, mm-hmm. condition, and just the, the coordinate the requirement for coordination completely changes the the pattern of correlations between mm-hmm. the three parameters. Right, and so, um, but again, again, it's only correlations, and mm-hmm. uh, I think we have to we have to find manipulations that, you know, allow us to sort of add, uh, right. for instance, variability mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. order to to exactly actually that, uh, provide further evidence for Right, this. I was
0: wondering about how this would generalize, right? Because imagine it's not, let's say, an image uh, detection task or something like that, but it's a task where you use different modalities or maybe it's even more an active task, which you also believe, or do you have information that the
1: same speeding occurs? Um, I think it's a very generous strategy so okay. if you um, because it just means that as soon as you as, as you don't know as you, when you know you need to be synchronous and if you and the other, another another person have roughly the same task basically when you speed up it's likely to work better
0: mm-hmm. but you I could also argue maybe it's a form of competition you want to just be better than the other that's why you speed up right is that an alternative explanation?
1: It it is an alternative explanation. Yeah, okay. And it would be I think you know, many people would, would be sort of uh more interested also in in social facilitation, you know, heightened arousal is the mm-hmm. ex- yeah, ex- explanation. Exactly. But I think our only point is to what we want to point out is here's this very simple strategy. How you know changing the performance on your own task could actually help you to achieve synchronization with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Where you know most of the time people would think well in order to to achieve that you need to decode the other's intention or Mm -hmm. you know uh, Simulate the other's actions, right? And we want to propose this, you know as a computationally also cheap uh, way Mm -hmm. of actually getting um, things synchronized uh, between people.
0: So for you this is like a a joint action reflex. Almost. Jo- yeah. Joint
1: action heuristic or something like that. Yeah, that but but completely, make... it's, a
0: pr- it's innate in the system. It will always do this. You don't need to learn
1: this. No. Okay. People just do it. Right. I mean, so, that's what we saw in our experiments. They didn't have to acquire this. They just do it. Did Have you looked at how d- uh, how this appears in development? No. Okay. Uh, but this was, I think it would be really interesting if if kids showed uh, the same mm. tendency. Right, exactly. Yeah. All
0: right, so... So now we we have let's say entrainment, the most simple form of of sort of synchronization. Now we have speeding, where we indeed start to look at let's say behavioral strategies to right. to, to facilitate synchronization. Mm-hmm. And the next one is now really like a big jump up in let's say the cognitive ladder, because now we're going to talk about simulation. Right. Right. So, so how does simulation help me now in joint action? What am I simulating?
1: Uh, what you're simulating is the other's task and uh, the task or or the the, uh, the intentions Uh, actually not the intentions no it's uh, aspects of the other's performance Mm -hmm. and um of course, you need to sort of represent somehow the other's task, uh, at least to some detail, and to which detail is actually unknown. And That can also vary a lot, but that's that will be a different talk. Um, but you have to represent that the other person has a task, and you have to to represent some details of this task. And the the idea then is that your own action knowledge allows you to actually predict, you know, how difficult it will be to uh, for the other person to perform this task, or how long mm-hmm. it will take for the other person to if
0: perform look, what, am i modeling the user that mm-hmm. the other mm-hmm. and the other's performance or am i really modeling the task so if, like if i model the task i, I think, think you
1: model the other's performance
0: okay okay but because then the question is is now my modeling of the other's performance some sort of modulation of my own model of my own performance mm-hmm. or is it something that is really separated from that
1: Right. So actually, I mean, the idea is that you use your own motor system, and it sounds perhaps a bit funny, uh, that you use your own motor system to plan your own actions. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you use the same motor system to actually also predict uh, what the other person will do. Mm -hmm. So the idea is really of that, uh, in a sense, uh, simulating what the other does with your own uh, um, action knowledge uh, actually biases uh, how you perform your own action. So, in a sense, and this would also involve a predictive of the a prediction of the mm-hmm. consequences of the action. So, in a sense, it's a, an idea that there could be something like a parallel prediction for your own action and mm-hmm. the other's action. So, it means, if I'm clumsy,
0: mm-hmm. if I'm a clumsy person, mm-hmm. then I will have a tendency to also model you as a clumsy person but
1: we have to perform a task together. Yes. So, okay. in a sense, it would also depend on your experience, for instance. So, for instance, if... If you're a a very good dancer and Mm -hmm. you you perform dancing, you will have more motor activation in your system because you you can sort of uh, simulate better what you're observing um, than when you're uh, not an experienced dancer because you will simulate a dance movement, Mm -hmm. more like a walking movement, let's Mm -hmm. say, or something that's familiar to you. You can still sort of, of course, simulate aspects of it, um, but not uh, in in a very Mm fine-grained detail. So and that means you you're sort of in this uh, merleau Ponty
0: school there of of a perception that I'm I'm really my model of you is grounded in my model of myself.
1: Um yeah, but not in a in a in a phenomenological sense mm-hmm. actually. Uh it's more in a functional sense really. Um because um uh, I the assumption would be that uh, the, the simulation itself um, actually is sort of completely unconscious. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a particular experience connected to it. It's more like um, um, a parallel prediction of what could happen in the outside world. Mm-hmm. So um, it's uh, I think it's more closely related to, you know, the, uh, mirror system sort of theories or common coding theories that... Um, that sort of postulate a close link between perception and action. Mm-hmm. Um and um I think you sort of you know you can link uh, both action planning perception to external events and and then uh, basically once you make that move the motor system mm-hmm. can actually contribute to action understanding to action simulation for other people to Okay. But then okay but then your uh, y- your your
0: simulation model mm-hmm. is is a bit more like a forward model in some yes, sense right that's i'm, that's I'm true. just yeah. predicting states of the world and the other is just another aspect of that world who who knows has an a- impact on that world so changing
1: its property so i can just make now f- forward predictions about what this impact will be that is true but you know in some situations i mean one task that we use in an eg study was um, you know i'm handing a bottle to you that was basically the task mm-hmm. And then we were looking at uh, preparation components for motor actions, for motor initiation. And um, the interesting finding there was that the person who was actually sort of receiving the bottle was showing a sort of motor peak that uh, you normally see for processes of motor simulation at the point where the person who was giving initiated the action Mm -hmm. so much before uh they actually initiated their own receiving action right. which was sort of very clear evidence that we had that the motor system was actually making a contribution was sort of uh, you know sort of simulating the other's actions mm-hmm. in addition to one's own action right so now
0: but in simulation um, well, what it it's very operational? You define it in very operational terms, right? right? So you're not including anything about making inferences about the goals of the other, mm-hmm. or so, so. So you think that is not really a required component to account for joint action.
1: Oh, it's absolutely a required component. I'm just mm. uh, I, uh, that's sort of the the aspect of joint action I didn't talk so much about. Um, Uh, which is sort of you have to have a goal representation that, you know, allows you to define different roles in the joint action and also the joint outcome that you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. And uh, the idea is that uh, this sort of uh, goal representation actually drives the simulation and uh, reaches into the motor system. Mm -hmm. um, uh, And so that that basically, you know, this sort of... uh, top-down modulate, this this sort of high-level planning structure, let's say, actually sort of uh, ties, gets tied into the motor system. And then uh, does the appropriate uh, simulation also takes care of the integration of the information that comes out of the motor system.
0: Right. Okay. But then the the specific task that you described here Mm -hmm. was this musical task, right? We have two people playing on a piano.
1: Right, it was under monitoring, though. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, this is this is one step further. But it was yeah. interesting to see that also in that task, actually, you had an impact on, let's say, um, with respect to predictions pertaining to the other or the self, right? But okay, let's let's discuss that right. experiment. Then when we when we hit the monitoring, maybe I'm moving too fast here. Um, so, but now for the simulation, in what to what extent? So you could imagine that I have a generic simulation system, right, mm-hmm. in my brain, like a mirror mechanism right. and with all sorts of bezel, bells and whistles attached to it. Would a generic modeling system or simulation system be sufficient to support joint action, or should it have some special ingredients that make joint action then standing out from just predicting other aspects of the world?
1: I think it would it would capture different regularities. Mm-hmm. So in in the I don't think that it would need to it would necessarily need to uh, be, you know, completely different in 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 that it would also, so of course, c- uh, capture regularities, but the regularity that it captures would be very different, mm-hmm. and uh, especially in those cases where people perform highly coordinated actions. Um, uh, so, for instance, you know. Um, uh, if you take two dances uh by coordinated tango dances and so on um so that uh, in a sense uh you know the specifics of the other 's body and movements would become part of your own prediction models mm-hmm. so that and so you know one way of thinking about this is would be saying it 's not different because it also captures regularities just like mm-hmm. any other oops, forward model. The other way of thinking about it would it would be that hmm here we have a uh, you know here we have a system that captures a different type of regularity mm-hmm. that doesn't only depend on my body but also on another body right and uh could that perhaps capture you know regularities that are then interesting to use mm-hmm. in, for other functions in the system so that you know being in close interactions with others could perhaps even have let's say something like implications for your bimanual coordination mm-hmm. something like that you know or um uh, could uh, and and the other way around would be you know uh, that uh, perhaps uh, in order to for joint action you could and that would be the similarity again. Um, uh, could I use by my, my bimanual models, uh, you know, where I have to have uh, some similar coordination problems as when coordinating with other people? So if you're shaking hands, you know, I can do that with my two uh, mm-hmm. hands too. Um, can I use the bimanual models as a proxy, uh, you know, just to, to bootstrap my joint action model from? Things mm-hmm. like that. Okay,
0: but then... Okay, so but you do see a continuity there. There is not. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, it's so
1: not. It's not fundamentally different. But I, it, I could still imagine, for instance, if you want to talk, if we wanted to talk about modules or separation of function for a bit. Mm-hmm. um... That you know, because of the different type of regularity that the forward m- that these forward models capture, mm-hmm. because there's perhaps more dynamics or more complex dynamic, or because you know the biological movement has uh, has invariant characteristics somehow, it could still be sort of a specified uh, way mm-hmm. of of uh, modeling. But the print the abs- you know the, the capturing of regularities would mm-hmm. be the would be the same. Right, exactly.
0: But then how how quickly in development do you do you see this this ability to 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 capture this and to make predictions right
1: i i don't think we know any anything about this actually empirically mm-hmm. but my hunch would be that um in a sense these sort of low level components are in place before the sort of uh, planning structures mm-hmm. so that uh, you know you have sort of forward models who are, which are able to actually Deal with let's say um, combined human motion in place before um, uh, children perform to to uh, start to perform uh, intentional joint actions where they sort of take the initiative in the joint action mm-hmm. because of course in the broad definition of joint action uh, uh, infants are involved in it uh, right from the first day of birth because they're being carried around and so on you know they make posture judgment. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, adjustments that make it easy for their parents to to, to carry them around and so on mm-hmm. so i would expect that you know a lot of this sort of motor stuff is in place and that sort of the de- de- developmental boundary they have to cross really is more in the development of um of uh task representations that allows them to keep you know self and other together mm-hmm. assign different roles to different actors things like that
0: right okay so now now I can simulate um and so that means i I have more power in let's say predicting and adjusting right. um but now now I must be able to also, let's say then monitor the quality of my performance and the quality of the performance of the other right. okay so um so how does that exactly work
1: right I mean I think we know that um, uh, people are very good at monitoring the outcomes of their own actions and there's also some previous research that shows that surprisingly, uh, when we observe others performing actions, you know, we also monitor whether they make an error or not. And mm-hmm. that uh, uh, the brain seems to do pretty much the same thing in both cases, okay. so that you can actually observe the same sort of uh, 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 ERP, res- uh, um, e.g. sort of patterns, ERP components, um, in both cases. Now um, one question is whether in monitoring you know you have a separate monitoring mechanisms for the joint outcome of the actions because in a piano duet Mm -hmm. um, you're basically what counts is the coordinated actions of both of us and not the individual playing so you know we can do a perfect performance of our part of our say, individual parts, and it can still sound very terrible. Yeah? Right. Exactly. And so the question is, um, you know, how do we uh, represent uh, this uh, destroyed outcome, and are we able to monitor it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in this experiment, you had the, two piano players. Yes. They play a fixed score. Right. Uh, two notes at a fixed rhythmicity. Yes. Uh, and then you started to sort of perturb. Right? right? The, the sound that was produced.
1: Right. So basically what we do is uh, they, they have... Uh, these are expert uh, pianists and they know how to play pieces very well and basically plant errors in their performances while they're doing it. So they play the right note but they hear the wrong mm-hmm. tone. Yeah. And uh, we could... Uh, so we were measuring EG from, from two people at the same time while they were playing a duet and uh, we planted mistakes for the person themselves for the other person and then we ba- we basically uh, planted two types of mistakes. One mistake would basically a- affect the joint performance a lot and the other mis- uh, mistake would affect it less. And we, so it would sort of either change or not change, the jointly produced ham- harmonies. Mm-hmm. And what we found is that um, early sort of uh, monitoring components and error components um, reacted in exactly the same way to self errors, other errors, and uh, it di- also didn't make a difference of, of whether to which extent the joint result was affected. Um, whereas later components, that are, uh, are rela- that are interpreted as signals of uh, conscious error processing, were actually scaled with self-relevance mm-hmm. so these components so there was sort of more of an error signal uh, when the person made a mistake themselves and when the other person made the mistake but the, the second fact and that's more interesting is that these signals were larger for self and other when the joint outcome was more affected mm-hmm. so which really indicates that you know uh, people have do this monitoring of the uh, joint outcome.
0: But how big was the modulation factor there if you go for, because in that sense now y- you had really parametric control over the error, right, that you could induce
1: um, or not? No, I mean it's not It's not a parametric simulation because it's sort of, you know, we, I mean it's not on a sort of continuous pitch dim- mm-hmm. dimension because um, um, the music harmonies uh, sort of constrain a lot what you what you can do there, uh, so to say. So um, um, it w- it's not really true that we could have had para- parametric mm-hmm. uh, um, um, violations. Mm-hmm. So we could we could only sort of come up with, uh, and that was tough enough actually. Uh, experimental manipulations where we had basically we actually ch- changed the joint harmony or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so either there was an error or there was no error this is this is I mean uh, there wasn't okay so uh, in all four cases we planted arrows mm-hmm. but uh, the these errors could be sort of individual in the sense that they didn't affect the overall harmony, they mm-hmm. still fit into the jointly produced harmony. Okay. So it was just, you know, we replace one tone that uh, that belongs to a particular chord, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, with another tone that also could belong to that chord. So mm-hmm. the chord remains right, unchanged. OK, okay? Mm-hmm. whereas in the other case, uh, um, we actually um, change the pitch uh, so that uh, the, the chord actually flips. Mm-hmm. okay Okay, and that changes Mm -hmm. the joint result more
0: right but now if you look at this p300 response Mm -hmm. or or so these late components for error monitoring um, how does it uh, what does it look like if we compare let's say own errors versus the errors of the other
1: right so for the for the for the later component um, basically, uh, it um, it matters more. You know, it's it, the component is much higher when you make a mistake yourself. Okay. But there's still a, a, an, an error signal when the other person makes the mistake, but only when it has consequences for the joint result. Mm-hmm. So if the
0: in if other words, yeah. sorry, short interrupt, but just it's to sorry. clarify. Yeah, right. That means it has no impact on the joint outcome. If the harmony is not affected, is that what you're saying
1: okay, so the error signal so if i'm if if uh if we if I planted an arrow in your playing mm-hmm. you you would always find the arrow component okay yeah, exactly and if I'm your partner in the in the piano duet um we would only find uh an arrow component if my arrow affects our harmony mm-hmm. but not if it doesn't affect our okay, harmony exactly. okay all right and your arrow component for your own error is is also higher mm-hmm. when the individual when the sorry when the joint harmony is affected mm-hmm. so even for your own mistake you know uh, the jo uh it's it's sort of worse mm-hmm. it's it, there's a bigger error right. signal mm-hmm. when it affects the joint result more so the error, okay. mm-hmm. you know that uh in this component, so to say, the error there's less of a of an error signal when you make an individual mistake that doesn't affect our joint harmony. Mm-hmm. So that means
0: um, errors detected in my own play yeah. are sort of lead to more vigorous responses yes. than those in the play of others. Right. Of the other. And um, how is this expressed really in the at the ERP level? Is it like really an amplitude difference, or is it yes. just so, okay?
1: so it's a it's a difference in the p three hundred and the p p three hundred is really scaled in our four conditions. so it's highest if if it's your own error mm-hmm. and it affects the joint actions mm-hmm. it's second highest and significantly different if it's your own error, and if it uh if it uh, doesn't affect the joint outcome, it's third highest if mm-hmm. it's my error, the other's error, and it affects the joint outcome. And there's no error compo- component whatsoever uh, if, you know, I make the error and mm-hmm. it doesn't affect the joint outcome.
0: Okay. But then in case of monitoring, um, so, so, so here we see that monitoring uh, affects both the joint action and the own action. Mm-hmm. But now um, isn't that a bit in a contradiction with the idea of the simulation where you would say, well, the simulation runs on a more generic infrastructure. So then you would expect that self and other monitoring would lead to roughly similar responses. I, I would guess, okay, I mean, you know better right. than me, but but isn't it surprising to see that there's such a big difference between these two?
1: Yeah, I think it, it depends a lot on the domain again, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think for, this, for the type of continuous action that's required for piano playing, where you also have sort of, you know, normatively, actually, you know, in the notation to play two different uh, pieces, um, um, uh, it, I, I'm not exactly sure how much simulation could do, I, I'm b- but I also have to say uh, it has to do something because we actually know that uh, you know piano players who actually hear piano playing do have a lot of the uh, motor activations. Mm-hmm. So um, perhaps it you know depends a little bit on which aspect. So that you know in the piano playing when it when it comes to pitches and harmony you actually have to keep it separate for self and other and, you know, the joint uh, harmony has to govern self. Uh, But if you looked at the expressive dynamics, perhaps, you Mm -hmm. know, perhaps you would still apply sort of aspects of your own uh, actions Mm -hmm. to these sort of um, um, expressive timing aspects. Right. So, um, you know, there's no reason to believe that only one or the other process can be active at a time Mm -hmm. uh, in a joint action. Right.
0: so now we have we have our monitoring system, um, and then the um, our other um, element is then um, signaling, right? So, um, how does signaling now play a role in this? Because so I can simulate, I can monitor, uh, I can use this to to sort of synchronize my actions. So, why do I need signaling now to keep on going?
1: Right. I mean. I think that's. I think uh, you know the uh, the the simulating business uh, mm-hmm. uh, and perhaps also the monitoring business. If you don't have a lot of of, of feedback about one another, can be difficult. Uh, so, for instance, the simulation mechanism I talked about is uh, you can actually you actually have yourself to use as, as a proxy for the other person and go from there. And, you know, sometimes that might not be the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps, you know, you don't have the skill that you would need to be simulating if you want to perform a particular joint action with another person. Um, so that um, signaling is another way of um, of actually um, achieving coordination Um uh, for instance when you when you don't share a skill or it might just be the more effective method mm-hmm. in a particular situation so for instance um, um when you uh, when you can give each other signals through the, uh when you can sort of um how shall i say um, when a discrete way of uh sort of affecting the action planning is actually more important uh than um something else. So let me give you an example. I think that will make it better to understand. So if you're carrying a box together, um, I could probably simulate your behavior. But you know, we we have different perspectives, you walk in a different way than me and so on. So if I'm sort of shoving the box in a particular direction, this communicative signal might actually be much more effective in giving a, let's say, unambiguous uh, uh, coordination, Uh, uh, signal, then all of the simulations and the monitoring Mm -hmm. that I'm doing Mm -hmm. so that uh, um, this is sort of our attempt to now link up to uh, a more sort of uh, symbolic way um, Mm -hmm. of achieving coordination and also but you know also retaining the link to the motor system because Mm -hmm. in joint action You say, you know, when we carry the box, we we need to coordinate our action in space and time. Um, And we want to provide this uh, uh, signaling as a, let's say, um, interface perhaps uh, for, you know, what what could also be a language input. You know, Mm -hmm. you could also bias things in a language way, but people actually um, often also do it in a more continuous manner. With these little mm-hmm. sort of shoving signals, because you know s- sometimes it's hard to talk about the exactly the, uh, the actions that you need to do, and you know a haptic push, or sort of a proprioceptive signal for the other person might be more effective than talking a lot. Right. Exactly. But yeah. now
0: the task you looked at was this pendulum task. Right. you have a box, there's a right. pendulum, then you have to pull a string left or right, yes. which you can sort of move the pendulum right. up and down. And then the instruction is to to keep the pendulum within a certain range. Yes. And what you looked at was you know, when a single person performs this task, pulling the two strings, right. or a diet, so yes. two people perform this task, each pulling one string. Yes. Okay. So, um, what's the difference between these two conditions? What do you observe?
1: Well, I mean, the interesting difference between these conditions is that people do it in a completely different way. So, um, you can actually, what individuals do when they're confronted with, uh, with um, balancing this pendulum, is that they apply forces in turn to the right and left side to keep it stable. Which means um, that they that the forces don't overlap very often uh, on both sides, which sort of saves them energy. And um, it also means that the one hand gets doesn't get a lot of proprioceptive signals about what the other hand is doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, In a sense, if you perform this individually, you don't need these sickness, because you know what the, your other hand is doing you know within mm-hmm. the system whereas in the case where we are doing this together and you know we have to really control this pendulum movement uh in real time um i don't know exactly you know how your uh, 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 your action will unfold in real time so it's actually a good idea to um, to pull at the same time so that we have a lot of force overlap because then we can feel each other on both sides and mm-hmm. that is how people achieve coordination. And we can observe this in in two different strategies to move the pendulum because people sort of uh, in a joint action condition, uh, you know, pull at the same time and then they lose at the same time and they start pus- pu- pulling at the same time mm-hmm. again and so on. Yeah, but uh, in some so this was
0: pointed yes. out by, by Andreas Engel in your talk right. that people have of course different forms of feedback here. It's not only the proprioceptive feedback or the force they might feel on the string like the haptic right. feedback, but um they also see what the other is doing. Right. Right. So um so how so how would it translate in the specific synchronization effect that you observe? It seems very odd, right? Because what you observe is that the the two people basically start to pull simultaneously, mm-hmm. which your device allows, mm-hmm. while the single user mm-hmm. is sort of pushing or pulling alternately left right. or right. yes. And in both conditions, does the pendulum end up swinging at the
1: same frequency? Well, we instructed them uh, to achieve a third frequency. Okay. And a certain and a certain amplitude. Mm-hmm. So, and we observed uh, the same difference across uh, uh, you know all sort of different task conditions. So you know whether whether you had to move the pendulum in the frequent let's say three times per second mm-hmm. <laughs> from one side to the other, or or let's say two times didn't matter. And also not uh, how, how far you had to move it, mm-hmm. whether you had to, you know, uh, let it fall down almost completely or whether you you had to turn it sort of only right. on, a, on a very small, uh, in a small amplitude. Mm-hmm. So across all conditions that we observed, it was pretty much, you know, all, de- uh, all that the device allowed, uh, we actually observed the same difference. Mm-hmm. And your point about vision, of course, uh, vision was avo- involved all of the time but you know you had equal visual information in the visual case and in the joint Mm -hmm. case so that in both cases you in in a sense you need visual control of the pendulum in order to Mm -hmm. do the task at all right Uh, but i think the signaling went through the haptic channel Mm -hmm. because it you know it it would it would have been hard to observe to Mm -hmm. create a false overlap in vision i think that's also uh, a really an interesting aspect of, of proprioception that um, you know, because it's sort of less this, uh, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, perhaps uh, it's uh, it it has it has um, uh, different advantages uh, uh, compared to the visual system as an information channel. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, but in some sense, it was also biased by the task, right? I mean, people couldn't do anything sure. else
1: than just pull the string. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But that's what we have to do as experimental psychologists. Of course, no, that, no this uh, is clear. Uh, yeah. But
0: now, the alternative could be that, let's say, people just prefer to move with a certain movement frequency. Yes. Right. So um, that means the individual user alternating effectively has the same, let's say, effort movement frequency as the diate that's sort of pulling simultaneously. Right. right. So, we could, so with one swing of the pendulum, right. pendulum, right. you still move
1: an equal amount of pull, an equal amount of times. Right. Uh, Can you exclude that that sort of moving frequency? I mean, we can exclude that with the with sort of the tempo manipulation that Mm -hmm. we did, because in a sense, you know, we were going from I I think it was like uh, one one turn per second, or actually two turns per second, to up to five turns Mm -hmm. per second, Mm -hmm. and you know it. that is a is a wide range of tempo, basically, mm-hmm. and we observed the same differences mm-hmm. uh in all of these conditions, whether right. you were going fast you know for whether individuals and groups were going fast or small. Mm-hmm. It, the difference was always there
0: hmm. but now the other thing about signaling is that in some sense, you could argue this this haptic feedback is more like an implicit signal because mm-hmm. if I'm part of the diet, i'm not really sort of. Deciding to okay, let's inform the other about what right. I'm doing. It, you get it for free because I'm pulling the string, yes. yeah. right? So I
1: think I think that's that's a really interesting aspect of it, so, and I'm not sure whether I would actually want to talk of full-blown communication here. Mm-hmm. But I find I find it even more interesting than if it was, you know, full-blown communication, because here seems to be a case where perhaps you know you have something in between intending to communicate. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, something that uh, the task requires. Right. And my hunch is that you know, if you talk about uh, evolution, development of mm-hmm. these things, this could be sort of an interesting in-between case. And mm-hmm. I think, in general, haptic coupling in these sort of uh, practical joint actions mm-hmm. is one way, you know, of trying to bootstrap communica- intentional mm-hmm. comu- communication more from like something simpler. Right. Yeah. It's more like an implicit
0: communication in this yeah. case. Yeah yeah okay that's very good so, okay so now we, we have this, this list going from entrainment to signaling, signaling yeah.
1: so how many steps are still missing in the list uh i don't know i mean <laughs> <laughs> i think we will find out in the future i'm pretty sure that uh there are still steps missing mm-hmm. and uh i think we also it's, it will also be interesting to see how the different processes can work together well and then also you know which kind of task representations and separations between task representations you need and how specific how specifically your representations of the other tasks need to be for you know these uh these different processes to be useful mm-hmm. so for entrainment for instance you d- you don't need any representation of the other person whereas for simulation uh you absolutely need it right hmm. yeah. so then uh if we now want to build a robot that can pull the string yeah. of the
0: pendulum together with you uh, wh- where would I start, would I really immediately have to include all of these five or would you have one or two preferred elements where you say no, it should really start here, it's really bootstrapped from these two or three
1: I think I, you should implement all of them okay. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> sort of a and I think you know some of it, I mean it's a cookbook um mm-hmm. I, th- I really I mean at least that was the idea sort of and I think in terms of of uh, implementing them uh, there's huge differences in how difficult it would be because I think the the entrainment one and the speeding for instance could be very easy mm-hmm. um whereas uh you know everything that has to do with simulation uh, will probably be very costly mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not exactly sure about the signaling uh, because it would require something like a uh, like a Im- uh, very close crosstalk between modules that do perception-action links mm-hmm. and communication modules or your know, t- task representation modules. And I think, i mean, to my knowledge, they are mostly kept separate in current architectures mm-hmm. in, right. in robotics. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but that's, that's also sort of the challenge we want to pose mm-hmm. in robotics to mm-hmm. think about the closer links uh, right. between the different. But if
0: I would go to the products. other extreme and uh, I would look at other kinds of, let's say, social animals, if I go to yes. ants, for instance, so right. ants, would, would you qualify ants having uh, joint actions?
1: It depends on your definition of joint mm-hmm. action again. I, and I think, I mean, um, perhaps with our current definition they they would even uh count you know in our in our current definition uh it all depends on, on what a social interaction is mm-hmm. really um and they co- can do coordination space and time so i, I would think that you know and uh, certainly treatment would uh, exist uh, right. on the level between mm-hmm. ends and um then I think what they do, and we haven't explored that at all, is also use the environment a lot mm-hmm. uh, to actually, you know, achieve coordination. So yes, I I think you know I wouldn't be completely opposed to uh, to uh, to call some of what ends to joint actions, but mm-hmm. I would also try to be clear about um, exactly uh, what what uh, coordination mechanisms that involves and uh, what it doesn't involve. And they would certainly not have sort of, you know, very elaborate task representations right. about but self but and other.
0: But you would see a continuum there in some sense. Yeah, of, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so
1: I, I wouldn't, I mean, that's sort of our our general research strategy, not to make any sort of, uh, ta- you know, tough delineations mm-hmm. uh, on the way and just see, you know, whether that can improve our understanding. Right
0: okay very good, so then, to finish up two questions yeah. um so so you are studying this whole domain of let's say social interaction or joint action mm-hmm. w- uh, intensely for many years so in our in our study of these phenomena, what would be gunther's law günther's
1: law yeah oh that's a tr- that's a tricky one <laughs> <clears throat> Gunther's law um would be not to postulate too much internal representations uh, for jo- and joint intentionality mm-hmm. um, for social interaction and to consider uh, what the sensory motor system can actually do for social cognition, right. quite in general.
0: Okay, and then last question. So five years from now I'm going to visit you there in, in Budapest uh-huh. and um, remind you of, uh, of the hypothesis you're going to generate for me now uh, which is so? What's the hypothesis or the prediction that you're that you're most committed to today? That you would like to remind you of five years from now to see if it really came came true or not? A prediction. Yeah.
1: About. Joint div- action. About joint action or joint the experiments action you that, perform.
0: Uh, A specific prediction on on the research you do.
1: Okay, maybe I should rephrase that as a hope but let's I okay. will predict that um, um, we will have increasing impact on uh, sciences that are interested in culture and uh, and uh, at least we will try to make some links that uh, uh, you know allow anthropologists to understand uh, um, how sensory motor processing coordination can actually um, contribute to the development of rituals mm-hmm. and um, and uh, more sort of um how can i say rhythmic um more more sort of encultured uh, actions uh, mm-hmm. high level actions and uh how uh how there's a continuity between you know joint action, ritualized joint action. And then you sort of full-blown communication. Right. And that's sort of a path that we want to explore. Mm. Uh, and, actually, and together culture. with developmentalists. Right. And also, we want to understand much more about devel- uh, development mm. of this, uh, you know, phylogenetically and ontogenetically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, Gunther Knobly, thank you very much for this uh, interview. Okay, thank you. The CSN podcast
0: was produced by the Convergent Science Network of Biometics and Biohybrid Systems project funded by the European Seventh Research Framework Programme. For more interviews, recorded lectures, or upcoming conferences in the field of biomimetics and biohybrid systems, go to csnnetwork.eu And thank you for listening.